Welcome to Unlocking Your Potential, the Ask podcast, where we talk about all the issues that we're getting involved in and the trends and movements in the learning and development world. My name's Laura Keane and I'm Principal Consultant here and I am joined today by a wonderful, wonderful woman, Danny Lucar. Danny is a friend and a colleague and probably one of the most kick-ass women I've ever met. So what I wanted to bring her on here today to talk about what she does, particularly in the area of women in leadership. Hi, Danny. How are you? Hello. Thank you for that lovely intro. I am good. <laughs> I'm good. The sun is out. It is. It is. Um, and and for anyone that's listening, we're doing this on a Saturday, so we're doing this for fun. Um, <laughs> Danny, tell us. Obviously, I know you well. We've worked together. We cannot do this podcast without talking about how we nearly got stuck in France at the start of COVID, um, watching all the planes getting cancelled as we were desperately trying to get home. Uh, But we can talk about that later. Tell us a little bit about you and your background and your experience. Okay, so um, I have been working in the coaching, consulting, training world since about 2006 so what is that like 17 years something Mm. like um I was gonna say three or four because time right (laughs) right. (laughs) seriously it's insane but um but yes I've been doing that doing this work uh since then so I do communications personal impact presentation so anything around people messaging psychology behavior and my biggest thing is women in leadership mm-hmm. and alongside that I do I sort of plate spin around creativity and performance as well so theatre actor director I've written a couple of books and yeah. a musician as well so I, do, I I blend all of those worlds together yeah and we were just talking weren't we you've got a single and an album coming out haven't you yeah, it's very exciting I've got a single <laughs> coming out in uh, about five weeks ish and uh, um, them coming out in the autumn. Fabulous, fabulous. And yeah, so it's really interesting, isn't it, that how those two worlds kind of really do align the, mm. the, the performance piece. And you've done a TED talk as well, haven't you? Mm-hmm. Um, and how the performance and then bringing that into other people's worlds really align. Yeah, definitely. Well, it's all about how we how we are when we need to be on our best game, right? Mm-hmm. So, how we need to be in terms of what we're communicating out, aware of our impact, aware of what that impact then creates across yeah. a longer timeline. So everything connects with that. Yeah, perfect, perfect. So as I said, we are here specifically really to talk about women in leadership because it's something that we've worked on together and it's something that I think is is a real soapbox for both of us, actually. Yeah. So I guess I'd, I'd really like to talk to you first up about your experiences, your kind of journey as a female leader. So any stories, any anecdotes, how have you found that, that journey to being a female leader? I've found it, it's it's interesting, I'm really thinking about this because I knew we were having this conversation and it's a quite a tricky one to pin down, but mm. what I would say is I found being a a female in leadership, both leading myself and then helping other people lead, other women lead, that it gets easier the more you do it. I think it's easier the older you are 
I think yeah. it's very, very tough for younger female leaders. Now, that's not to say it's tough for all of them, mm. but I, it's you've got a lot more unconscious biases to navigate. And yeah. I remember that. I mean, we were just talking also that time goes so fast, weren't we? But yeah. I also yeah. remember being in my 20s and the stuff, I mean, my goodness, the stuff you have to navigate. And, yeah. you know, and even when I was at school in terms of my own, journey as a woman leader I've always been a bit of a disruptor I've always been a little really bit of, <laughs> can you believe that no. <laughs> and, it, and you know I was I was always like academically good at school but I mm. could never understand some of the rules and regulations so I used to push at the edges around like how I dressed and things like that yeah and I was always into music and I was always into books and I was always into theatre and some teachers were really cool with that and other teachers made my life utter hell and right. I got a lot of nonsense around that. And I got a lot of, actually with retrospective lens, I got a lot of sexism. And I look back at that and I think, if I'd been a boy, would I have had that? Yeah. So I very quickly got a fire in my belly around the whole gender disparity, injustice, unconscious bias stuff. Yeah. And then that got exacerbated in my working world in my 20s and in performance, you know, back in the 90s, it was much worse than it is now. Yeah. So all of that stuff really fueled my fire up to the point where it just started to organically become very central to my world and, and working with younger actors as well, female actors, seeing how much stuff was getting in the way for them. And it, you could take it back always to the gender conditioning and the expectations and, you know, the obstacles we almost consequently create in our heads around what we should be doing and how we need yes. to do it. Da, da, da. That's yeah. just getting out of our that it's so interesting because that that whole kind of structural systemic piece where you know where young girls you know the confidence gap that starts at something like the age of seven or something doesn't it and um and also then kind of thinking about uh, you know how we navigate that and what that means like you just said in terms of some of the barriers that we kind of preemptively put up for ourselves yeah. because we have that expectation that based on past experiences or based on stories that we've heard from others that 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 things may not go the way we need them to because of who we are yeah and I think women and girls tend to have a higher our, our nervous system's already like on fire you know because yeah. of all the stuff we have to navigate and then you know what that that plays into it so we're already hypervigilant yes you know, yes even on an average day we're hypervigilant compared to the majority of our male counterparts yeah now obviously I'm generalizing there are exceptions of course there are yeah. and there are other 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 groups if we're going to use labeling momentarily just for ease of reference there are other groups that will also experience that of course exactly um, yeah it's definitely a thing for, for women and girls and and so right from the beginning there's so much more to overcome before we even begin to tackle the leadership bit yeah and I think that is important thanks for saying that Danny I mean this isn't this isn't about bashing any particular part of the population is it and no, it's not, not and it's and it you know we also have to recognize our privilege like you said when we're mm. when we're talking about leadership because we're both you know women we're both educated we're both you know we have reached that point yeah. um but actually it's just about kind of thinking what can we do to support you know women in navigating those difficulties to 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 be able to perform to meet their full potential and help businesses to perform I just want to add this really interesting thing that you said there about um it being harder 
when mm. you're younger to navigate this stuff. Yeah. And I mean, I've, I've got a few years on you, Danny, not, not that many, but I've got a few. <laughs> and, um, and what's interesting to me, and I'm kind of trying to kind of navigate this narrative at the moment, is that I think there kind of comes a point where as a middle-aged woman, yeah, you start to lose your visibility and it's it's and some of that is it's is, is positive I'll be honest because you know it's you know you don't get yelled at out of the windows of vans and stuff Isn't like that that's good when that stops it's yeah but then but then you kind of it's kind of like you've reached a point yeah. where you have the confidence and the assertiveness that you've developed over the years to speak and almost you're kind of getting pushed back a little bit because you have less visibility because you're a, a a middle-aged woman and it's I don't know I don't really know what I'm trying to say but I do think there's there's well, issues it's around the, it's that sectionality stuff isn't it because we're, yeah. we're dealing with ageism so to, to look yeah. at both those lenses you've got the the younger women who often the, there are unconscious assumptions that they're less able less experienced for yeah. example they're more sexualized generally yeah. There's yeah. more assumptions around them going off and getting married and having babies, which is yes. such an outdated thing. And that's a whole other topic. It but really is. The assumptions that they're navigating, whereas obviously once you get into middle age, a lot of that stuff falls away. But then there are other other things that come in, like you've articulated, Laura, like the the ageism, the fact that you are looked at as past it. I mean, you, let's face it, you can't blame and win as a woman. You're either no. you. Like, what is the age? It, what is the... <laughs> there's, there's got to be an age, right? One age where actually we have that power. Maybe there's not. Maybe the age is not be a woman. And now we're unrooting the, the the real underpinned sexism, right? Because it's then yeah. it's, it's, and we still are, you know, viewed for the most part, through the lens of mother material, not mother material, yeah. wife material, not wife material. And actually, when you spell it out like that, it's horrific. Yeah. But actually, that is often what still plays out, and particularly in organisational narratives. I mean, I've I've overheard things over the years in some organisations. Obviously, there are some brilliant ones out there. Yeah. But I have heard some like, oh, well, she's probably going to go off and have a baby soon. And I'm yeah. like, oh, on, you know nothing about this woman. You have no, no idea. About her sexual orientation you have no idea about her fertility you have no idea about what she wants she might not want that you mm. know and all of this stuff that's just thrown in the mix I think my goodness have we just fallen out of good housekeeping 1953 <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. insane really yeah yeah it's so interesting and then we haven't talked about and again this is probably a whole other podcast the menopause <laughs> which yeah. then you know throws everything and I I think it's great that people are talking about that stuff now a lot more than they did but um but I think the difficulty that I've kind of found in talking to lots of different people is it it really does hit people differently it's there's no and this will happen it's um goodness anxiety hot flushes not sleeping you know and fog the brain fog goodness although I have to say I've started slapping the estrogen gel on my arms and it does help a bit with the brain oh does it yeah a bit I still have moments but it's um but it's definitely thank goodness I mean I have to give a big up to Davina McCall absolutely because my goodness she has really made her visibility matter around this because we're having conversations we can talk about this openly on a podcast now 10 years ago we wouldn't have dared yeah 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 yeah. and that's amazing that's amazing progress so I think we do have to absolutely recognize and applaud the shifts that are happening for me it's still not quick enough no 
no, we shouldn't still be having to talk about this stuff, mm-hmm. you know, 50 years after the laws were put into place to try and stop discrimination against women. Right. Um, but anyway, here we are. Tell, <laughs> so based on that, yeah. what do you think over your working life or, or you know, an education and everything before that, what mm-hmm. do you think have been the biggest advances or the biggest setbacks in terms of women in leadership? So over the years, and maybe I, obviously the pandemic has had a huge impact. So what, what do you think? Well, we've had a lot of advancements. Let's go for the positives first. There are more women. We are hearing more stories about women. Like yeah. I remember being at school and it, you rarely heard the stories of the successful women in history. Yeah, And that's like an overall arch of history. So, you know, if you heard about a woman when when I was growing up, it was just a similar time that you were growing up at the same time, really. Yeah. Um, we didn't really hear that. Or if we did, we heard like, oh, and she was a woman. Imagine that. You know, <laughs> Amazing. She, you know, and she wasn't a male. Uh, whereas now, because I think of Gen X and some time and some of Gen Y and let the feminist movement before us as well, those stories are finally being told. So we're hearing yeah. about I men. I've got books upon books now on my shelf around, you know, women from history and what they did. And, you know, mm-hmm. female Tommies, I've got a brilliant book called Female Tommies, which is all about the women who fought in the war. And I was like, oh, yeah. women fought then, did they? I didn't know about that. <laughs> you know, and so and yeah. so because we've had, we're now hearing these stories and we have more women visible, we've got more women leaders you know, worldwide, it's still the minority, but we've got mm. more than we have had. So all of that is good because now the girls growing up are looking out at the world and they're seeing women and they're not just seeing any type of women, they're seeing all types of women, all skin colors, all sexual orientations, all sorts yeah. of women. So they can see themselves now. And so yeah. it becomes a possibility for them. And that's amazing. So yeah. that's, that's an overall huge thing. We are having more of these conversations. There's more awareness around sexism I mean you know now I sit on the tube when I go into London and I look at the thing saying if you are sexually harassed like call this number yeah my goodness I wish that had been around when I was in London you know because it was almost a daily thing in my 20s and I know I'm not alone in that so in terms of all of that the landscape has changed there's more awareness there's more accountability for things if, if that sexism does happen so that's all brilliant but as you said, Laura, the, the pandemic really set a lot of women back. Mm-hmm. They're still, what I another thing I see quite a lot in organisations, and I was talking about a friend about this uh, to a friend about this this morning, is a common thing, and I'm going to out this now is that <laughs> many organisations will give women the title promotion. You can have the title, but you know your salary might not catch up for a while. Right. Yeah. I'm seeing a lot of that, and now I. I'm sure it does happen with men too, mm. but I don't hear as many stories about that. Now, whether they, it's just that they don't talk about it or whether it's that it's not happening as much, I don't know, but I'm, yeah. I'm onto that one and going, hang on, that's not okay. You know, so that goes against women. And we are still maternity slash paternity packages mm. because, you know, we, we have to look at both of those things are really out of whack and actually that affects all genders. Yeah. And and again, you know, as a childless woman myself, that that childlessness, fertility stuff, child loss, abortion, miscarriage, all of that stuff is still really not talked about enough yeah. in the workplace. So so and then they're huge setbacks, you know. I you know, when a woman deals with fertility issues or miscarriage, and men too, 
yeah. it has a massive impact on their lives and their mental health. And yet the expectation is that they still show up to work with a brave face. And that that's not okay. That has yeah. direct consequences for everybody in the long term. I have to say, I, I, I've um, heard of some organisations that are introducing things like miscarriage leave um, yeah. and uh, fertility leave as well. So um, having treatment um, in terms of fertility leave for both partners, yeah. um, which so I think is, is positive. But um, it is. it's about time and <clears throat> abortion. This is the thing as we still don't talk about yeah. abortion enough, and it's and it's huge for people. Yeah. And, and we need to, and I know it's like, ooh, dare, you know, even in my head saying that word, I was like, oh, can I get, can I say that? Yeah. yeah you know, yeah. if I'm having that thought, then we're not where we need to be with that. Either. No, exactly. Well, and in many places going backwards in terms of um, accessibility, oh. thinking of the States in particular and, and, and um, yeah, kind of moves. Well, and, it, and it's still a criminal offence, I think, in the UK, isn't it? It's um, in parts of the UK can be criminalised. Um yeah, I think there's so much to talk about. I was I was just something that you said there mm. really prompted a thought for me. And mm. now it's gone. Um, now well, it's this gone. is what we're dealing with. Yeah, so I'm exactly. gonna think it's move on and it'll come back. I know it's, oh, it's back. It's back. It's back. I just a really interesting narrative around um what what happened in particular with Jacinda Arden, um, mm-hmm. who uh, you know, uh, uh, who we had some great stories of how she's dealt with so much stuff mm-hmm. um, over her years um, as as um, leading in, in in New Zealand, mm-hmm. um, and then she made that decision to step down, which I think is incredibly brave, and I think there's lots of politicians that could quite um, I, I would recommend follow that um, many that path. many. <laughs> yeah, many. Um, but also the headlines then um, that I saw after that, can women really have it all? And it was and it was like, OK, when has that ever been said about a man? If, if a man, you know, gets voted out or or steps down, it, that just that narrative that is really toxic. And whilst we're seeing these role models, it's that thing that says, OK, if one woman fails or or doesn't achieve everything that she wants to then then we talk about all of women whereas if there is a male leader or male politician that mucks up we Mm. don't then generalize about those men and it's um that's just really frustrating well it's it's you can't win because the landscape the whole the whole system Mm. is is set up predominantly for men and so there needs to be some massive massive changes now those changes are happening in the micro they are making a difference that's all positive like that's not to dismiss any of that at all but fundamentally if we expect women to have it all quote unquote right so by that I assume they mean they whoever they are but you know um it it means have the family have the career etc it's like Yeah. yeah well of course they can if the system and if the structure is yeah. set in a way that supports them, but we still have this, again, another unconscious bias that the woman will be the main carer of the child. Yeah. And also we're talking about heteronormative relationships here, right? And, and yeah. then are yeah. relationships where, where you've got two same-sex parents as well. Yeah. So, you know, that, that whole thing is, is not helpful whatsoever. And the question needs to be, not can women have it all, but how can we, how can we support women to work in a genuine place of parity with men yeah. and, 
and those who identify with other genders? How can we how can we create that? And actually, it seems to me that there's no better time to do that than now because we've had the pandemic. It threw it all up in the air. We you know we buckled down. We got on with it. It was tough. It still is tough. Mm-hmm. The now you know the landscape is ever changing. We are very much in that VUCA world, and. Yeah. You know, we are now in an itchy place. <laughs> that yeah, yeah. No, that's. Oh, I like that. I like it's that. It's like we're not. We're we're now like some people want to get back in the office. Some people don't. Some people are happy with hybrid. Some people aren't. So for me, it's like okay, if there's if there was ever a time to start to really look at stuff properly, it's now. Yeah. And it's fear that stops people. It's as simple as that. It's fear. Oh, it's going to cost this. It's going to cost that. It's like no, come on. We need to look creatively because it's. Yeah. A, astonishing what you can achieve when you're just prepared to be flexible and agile and let's face it that narrative is on the table but for some reason we're not linking it with the gender parity conversation that is so true that is so true it it absolutely is on the on the table isn't it and and we we know that there's research that shows that you know more inclusive organizations can be more agile are more creative do perform uh, better we need to be bringing that, yeah, the conversation around what it means for that gender uh, parity into that conversation. You're absolutely right. So we mentioned, we were talking earlier on about that broader context. Mm. Um, what do you what do you think is the responsibility of organisations within this? Because obviously they can't be expected to do everything. No, of course what, not. And, and, and there are many organisations now are very, very squeezed. Yes. Under-resourced and or you know the the financial situation is is a concern for many as well so so of course they have to work within they've got what with within what they've got um but I think the fundamental thing is for them to listen like really listen to people and really take it into account and I'm not sure how much of that actually happens yeah because when you really listen to your people and your people have to, of course, first feel safe enough to speak with a degree of honesty. Mm. So if you can create that in your organization, well, actually, to be honest, if you can create that, then you're, 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 then you're flying. Because if you can yeah. create that and then people start to come forward, not only are they going to come forward with, well, this is a concern for me or this is a problem for me, this is an issue for me. But if you listen and you pay attention and you start to look at that, openly not not necessarily having all the answers then those same people are also going to come up with suggestions ideas and they're going to have real commitment and loyalty to you if you do that so yeah you know you get the you get the good and the bad rather than I don't want any of it that's what will get stuck so I that's the first port of call I would say is listen create a culture of safety listen park as much judgment as you can and you're never going to, of course, be able to please everyone 100%, but you want to be working towards it being as much of a win across the board for every member of staff, whatever their circumstances, whatever their identity is. Yeah. You want to be trying to get the best you can for them. And yes, that is work. And yes, that is effort. And that's, yeah, that's that's how change happens. We can't yeah. get lazy about that. And I think that is such a good point. I think, you, like you said, we're not going to be able to please everyone all the time. But if the intention is there, mm-hmm. that then creates the culture where people can put their hand up and say, I don't agree, or can I challenge this, or can I ask you about this? And and yeah, that isn't just about gender parity. Like you said, it's about everything, isn't it? That that yeah, creates many, that. many things, that intersectional conversation, huge. Yeah. 
you know, there's so many things that we need to be on the table and not politicized, but personalized. And then we can move with the landscape that we live in. I love that. Not politicized, but personalized. Because so much of this is rooted in in fear of change, in in you know, that that kind of discomfort that comes from talking about stuff like this. Yeah. Um and I think that's right. But you know, the, the debate, particularly with social media, becomes so extreme. Um, you know, you're either at one end of of, of a really hideous spectrum or another. <laughs> but actually, yeah. this is just about treating people like individuals and valuing them as individuals, isn't it? Yeah, and I mean, and, and we are complex. Every human is complex. And yeah. actually, one of my colleagues, Robert, said this. So I am going to credit him for this because this I'm lifting this from him. But he says, you know, in order to understand. Uh, the complexity of any situation you have to go no in order to get it sorry let me start again in order to get the simplicity out of any situation because ultimately in order to move forward we need simplicity mm. we need to understand the complexity of the individual and I think that's genius yeah. way of thinking about it yeah. but because of that we need to make the time and, and something I hear a lot in our in our world today is I don't have the time we need to rethink time and I always say to to clients you know it's not about making time it's about making space yeah and they're different yeah wow so we have recently worked together developing um a women in leadership program which I loved I love working with you Danny because you teach me so much and 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 you kind of and we bounce all over the place don't we and I I kind of and I follow you in that bouncing because that's I'm not a natural bouncer which is a weird weird way (laughs) of saying a good team because you are (laughs) your way of working is very different from mine and mine so in a way we like we really kind of compliment I think yeah and 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 I really enjoy that that I learn so much and it and and, you know it, it challenges me when I work with you because you have different ideas and you push those out and it's fabulous so my question to you I guess is when you are working on programs like that what do you get most excited about Oh, the possibility for, for people getting their power back and creating change. Yeah. That's the most exciting thing for me. But I mean, that's why I get out of bed every day anyway, you know, is the yeah. possibility of change, people feeling more in their skin, letting people feel more powerful with who they are. And that might sound a bit sort of trite and nauseating, but it, <laughs> it is true. And I get excited whenever any organization puts their hand in their pocket and invests in developing women in leadership, I, that excites me and makes me super happy because that for me is very different to how it was 20 years ago. Yeah. I wasn't yeah even in our working lives, mm. things have changed so much, haven't they? So much. I was laughing about that the other day about, you know, the carrying your big brick Nokia around and dialing up the Pipex to get online and thinking, my God, that wasn't even that long ago. It really wasn't. <laughs> when I first started work, we didn't have internet on our mm. on our computers. And yeah, the world has changed so much. We and didn't have internet, but in no, those no, 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 no. It was dialing up when you got home to go and have a look at Friends Reunited because that was all we yes. knew was on the internet. At the MySpace, do you remember? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, what do you think are the opportunities or challenges on the horizon for women in leadership? You said we've we've come through, you know, the pandemic was was really tough. 
we've mm. emerged from the pandemic into I don't know what you'd call this now so I'm sure somebody's come up with a label but it's just the world is strange right now and I think it's going to be now yeah. and I think part of us moving forward is accepting that it's the world is fast and change happens quickly and we have to adapt and we can grumble into our socks for a little bit but then we've got to get over it and engage with it otherwise it leaves us behind yeah so so in in particular for for women in leadership what do you you know if I'm if I'm sitting listening to this and I'm a a woman leader what what would you say to me what do you think are the opportunities and what do you think are the challenges that I need to be aware of I think the opportunities out there are there are many, and I would say it's about grabbing those opportunities when yeah. they present themselves and also, you know, even de- making them up yourself, like come up with those opportunities, develop them, don't wait for somebody else to do them, which is both yes. a challenge kind of. Um, challenges, there are, again, many, and a lot of them we've touched on, but there's one that I'd like to throw in the mix because I think it's an important one and it will possibly resonate with people who listen to this, which is, I was running a program recently and it was in person mm-hmm. and one of the women on that program came into me and sort of half laughing rolled her eyes and said I've just been really challenged by one of my male colleagues and I said oh right okay do you want to sort of share that and she said yeah he stopped me in the corridor and asked why the organization was investing in women in leadership and not in men in leadership yeah and I have many responses to that. And I think this hopefully will sort of answer the question that you've asked, Laura, which is, you know, we um, we still need to invest in men, of course. Of course, yeah. we do. They, they also have many challenges. And so, but the point being, most organizations do invest in overall leadership programs anyway. Yeah. And the reason that we need a specific women in leadership program is because we have to deal with all of that stuff, all of those unconscious biases, all of those issues around being visible without being judged on what you look like or your age or any of that nonsense, but actually what you do and what you can bring. We need to work to help the majority of women get to that place before we even get them to lead. Yes. There's an opportunity and a challenge in that, which is, you know, the challenge is to make sure that people can get on board with that. And then the challenge is, well, I always say, like, I, I hope in 20 years time, I think it's ambitious, but I hope in 20 years time, we won't need women in leadership program because we will have that gender parity. But recognizing that the challenge is still that we have so much, so much to do in order to get that parity in the first place. So I think your question, does that answer your question? Yeah, no, it does. I think final question then. Mm. Um, and we could talk about this all week, but for the sake of brevity, really good. we really could. Um, if, if, so if there's somebody who is responsible in an organization, you know, a CEO or, or, or a HR director or a learning development manager mm. sitting there listening to this thinking, okay, well, I know we need to do something, mm-hmm. but given all we've said, where on earth do I start? What do you think should be the first steps? If they are thinking, where on earth do I start, then I recommend that you reach out. There are many of us out there now who specialize in this. Reach out, have a chat with us and we can help you navigate where to start. Right. Um, And if you can't, if you don't have the budget for that, then there are there's so many books out there now that are brilliant. There's a brilliant one by Michelle King called The Fix 
mm-hmm. you know, which is excellent. There's a brilliant one by Joy Burnford called Don't Fix Women. There's a brilliant one by Marianne Seacock called The Authority. Oh. Yeah. I mean, horrifying, but but important. Yeah. And, you know, start there and listen, ask, ask your people. Mm. Listen to them. It's what we said before. So if you're not sure where to start, start with your people. If you've got a bit of budget, come to someone who's a specialist and then we can advise you. Even if it's, even if you can't afford a big program, we can still give you some steers on, well, this is what we would recommend. And if yeah. you're working within these parameters, this is the best we could do, but you know, don't just look at it and then go, it's too big and look the other way. That's yeah. the thing not to do. Oh, thank you so much, Danny. Um, this you. has been fabulous. I just, we, yeah, I love sitting down and chatting with you because we really do. As I said, I learn it, what you talk about challenges me and I just, it's so much fun talking to you and working with you. So thank you so much. Oh, back at you, Laura Keane. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. That's been Unlocking Your Potential, the Ask Podcast. <laughs>